But we need to review just a little bit. Because not everybody's been here for the last couple of weeks. So just a quick review. Uh, by the way, what is an attribute of God? A characteristic? Okay. What else? A quality. Good. A quality. Something else? Any other thoughts? A truth. Good. Other ideas? How about an attribute as being something that we can know about God? Okay? Like what Robert just said, who he is. Okay? And even, like a quality, what he's like. So those are all attributes of God. And so far we've looked at, the first one that we looked at a couple weeks ago was, was his self-existence. Now, how do we begin to understand that? That self-existence? <laughs> by faith. Go ahead and speak up by faith, otherwise, because... Be, excellent, excellent. Because, yes, yeah, so by faith, we... Otherwise, we can't understand completely God's self-existence. But can we comprehend at least some? Yes. If we couldn't, we might ought to just as well go home. Amen? There would really be no reason to be here. What, would you worship a God that, was, that wasn't self-existent or that you couldn't comprehend in any way, shape, or form? I know that's a hypothetical, but there's a lot of no shakes going on. You know, Wouldn't it be tough? <laughs> there are people that do, yes. But for this faith community, it's, it's so ingrained in us. How? Supernaturally, through the power of the Spirit. See, we know by faith. See, we put our faith in Christ. And so we have this power. It's a supernatural power that can you, can you, can you define that in finite detail, the supernatural power of God that is in you? No. no. <laughs> okay. Tim can. What I was going to say is that in Christ supernatural transaction that we can't grab. Okay, now, so now that we, by faith, we know these things, Doris? Okay. In that sense, in that sense, and as yet, as we try to completely comprehend, we can't. But I like to say that we can apprehend. That's the faith part. You see, because God, God's Word says it. There's no question about that. And we're here and we're trying to learn these qualities of God, the nature of God, His attributes, and He will speak to us even tonight. And I believe that, that, that not a one of us is going to leave here tonight without something that God, through the power of the Spirit, is going to give us. Individually. And maybe even collectively. But we can understand this attribute called self-existence, can't we? What does it mean? Okay, so there's this difference between create for and created. So God had no beginning. He had no beginning. He had no. He had no origin. And and Robert said that you know he's he, he claimed the great I am. He he told Moses, tell them I am sent you. And of course, you know to to that audience that would have been completely a that was they would have looked at that very reverently because I am meant no beginning. 
and they knew exactly who that was. So it's a little bit lost to us in our language and in our culture, but not them. And so there's no past, and, and of course, um, he is self-existent, and how is he self-existent in terms of, how does that manifest to us? How does he manifest himself? He's self-existent, no beginning, no origin. But how does he manifest it? He had no self, if he's self-existent, how does he show himself? How do you know him? Okay, through his word. Okay, through creation. Creation. Jesus. Okay, let's go there. Okay, through Jesus. So God, in a self-existent way, hard to define. I have, I have difficulty with no beginning because I can't wrap my brain around it. God asks me to. It's hard. Okay, I believe it by faith. Okay, and yet, no beginning, no origin, self-existent, and manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. Easy for you to comprehend Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah you would. Why? What? What? And how else does he manifest himself? Doris? Okay, let's talk about, excuse me, through the Holy Spirit. We know creation, we know the person of Jesus, and we know... And, and who is the Holy Spirit? God. Okay. Okay, and, and, and how else does he manifest himself? We have the Holy Spirit, and we have, and we have Christ Jesus... And we have, and we have, and we have what? Oh, Father God. So here we are, the Trinity. We looked at that the first week we were here. So God manifests himself in this self-existence that is hard to comprehend. He makes it so easy by providing for us this doctrine of the Trinity. Peace and cake, God. Thank you so much. Now explain it. Every Christian I've ever known has such a difficult time trying to explain the Trinity to somebody that has never has never tried to grapple with that, you know. And here we are trying to grapple with these attributes of God, which are almost impossible. Not impossible, but our finite minds have a difficult time with it. And so, so here we are. We're looking at the three persons of the Godhead, and don't forget these are three persons of the Godhead: God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so turn to Deuteronomy 6 4. And we'll be going through those scriptures in the upper right hand corner in order. Deuteronomy 6 4 says what? Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is Okay, so here we have in Deuteronomy, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God. Didn't we just say three persons? Three. Kathy Pagasad is going to come on up and she's going to explain this to us. So we all understand. <laughs> one, six, four. Deuteronomy six, four. Okay, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God? Three and one. I thought that was an oil. <laughs> it, is. it is an oil. 
So how do you explain that this one God according to Scripture? As a matter of fact, turn to John 10.30. Whoever gets there first gets to read. That's the... I am the Father are one. Excuse me? Tim, I am the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Je- who's speaking in John 10.30? Jesus. Jesus. What is Jesus claiming in, in John 10.30? Just ahead of that, some of the greatest news there is that a lot of Christians argue over, which is once you're the Lord, He won't let you out of His hand. Oh, we're not going to go down the one second. I always say It is a very important scripture, and these are important too, because here we're talking about this self-existent God who is manifest in one God in three persons, the person, God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son. You change the order that time, the order doesn't really uh, sign an issue. Okay, so one what, three who's? One what? One God manifests in three persons. Doris? One essence and three persons. One essence. In essence, God is God. God, the Lord, is one. But I don't get the three persons thing now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So who would like to volunteer to come up and explain that in detail so that Veronica can get it? It's like water, ice, and steam. Okay, so I've heard it explained water, ice, and steam. So let's simplify it, because I think it's important to keep it simple. Because you're not going to completely comprehend it. So let's get the apprehension part of this now. The apprehension part is that God is self-existent. He had no origin. There was no beginning with God. None whatsoever. And in this self-existence, the only thing not created, God, exposes himself to us to make it easier for us in the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to see later who has seen God. We're going to ask that question. But he manifests himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Born of a virgin, carpenter's son, walked the earth. Lots of people. Marvin right here said he could relate to Jesus Christ. Well, yes, I hope so. You think that was part of God's plan and his self-existence so that there was some relationship to his creation? Oh, I hope so. I mean, i got a lot of questions. But I hope that that was one of the reasons that before the beginning of time, we're going to look at tonight, Christ Jesus was. And then he came. Because I think that we're not capable without him. God's plan. So one in essence, three in persons. And we've been searching this out biblically. Because the Bible is our authority. And we want to know about God's attributes exclusively through the Bible because what you think or what I think is really quite irrelevant. It's what the Bible says. And then we have to grapple with what we think about what the Bible says. But we've got to start with what the Bible says. Then we can choose to believe it or not. Rob? I was thinking, uh, so that all the attributes of God are 
question is, all the attributes of God would apply to each person of the Trinity in the Godhead. Okay, wait a minute. Everybody that... Hmm, ponder that for just a second. You've got five seconds to think about that. Okay? Hmm. All right, theologians and Bible students. Would every attribute of God that we're studying apply to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Knows. Excellent. Yeah, the answer is yes. Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I and the Father are one. Does that make it easier for you to comprehend? No. No, it doesn't. And that's a good answer. But can you apprehend that God is one, manifest in three persons, the power of the Spirit in our presence now, in this place, at this moment, God is present in the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, our Savior, is God, who walked the planet, born of a virgin. We can relate to Jesus because He was real, fully God. Holy man. Can you explain that one? Linda's going to come up and explain that one to me. No, we can't. You can't explain that completely. But can you apprehend that? Yes, born of a virgin. Can you explain the born of a virgin part to me? No. That's a supernatural event that took place that only in God's economy could that happen. Wow. Is that? Are these things impossible? Not with God. Not with God, but to comprehend? Well, kinda. Kinda. Paul doesn't lie with God. Paul lies with me. My brain's too small. You're finite. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Can it be a little overwhelming? <laughs> of course. See, we're never going to completely comprehend it, but as we're searching the scriptures, we're attempting to apprehend it. We're trying to get our arms wrapped around it to remind ourselves and be reminded by God that He is God. And we are not. So, He calls us to Himself. I hope that's one of the reasons you're here. He calls us to Himself. And we're learning about about who God is. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for I don't care if you've been a Christian for eighty years. There is more to learn of God. There is more depth to your relationship that can be had with God. If it's been your focus and that's all you've done your entire life, God is not finished with you yet in terms of revealing himself to you. So we're called to know Him. We're called to love Him. We're called to be like Him in Christ Jesus. And so, here we go. We press on. Amen? Alright. And so last week we looked at this, this word transcendence. God is transcendent. Uh, what does that mean? <coughs> Come on, Susan. Uh, okay, above. Okay, see, by definition, we looked last week that transcendence means that it's, it's uh, above or beyond all possible limits that we can understand or comprehend. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with distance. Okay? Wow. We're finite. We're created. He is not. God is transcendent. Most recently, Wes and Tyler have been teaching some of the men that 
you know, we chill out just a little bit. It's not that hard. It's not that difficult. Just try to keep it simple. I think that's really good advice, quite frankly. I really do. Because it, the, 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 more, the, the more difficult we make it, the more challenged we are. And I, think it's, I think it's incumbent on us to, to, to seek God and trying to keep His attributes simple because there's a reverence in that simplicity. And so just understand it's okay. We're not going to get it all. So let's get, let's get just a little bit. Even today, let's get a little bit about who God is. Keep it simple. It helps us know that He's God and we're not. However, we're called to something, aren't we? See, it requires something of us. We can't just passively sit by. We're not called to passively sit by. I'm reminded of Wes in its simplicity. And Olivia, that a year, a year and a half, two years ago, Olivia sat right over here and says, Bill, will you just get to the point? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. No? <laughs> what? I mean, what a transition though, right? Wait a minute, it's, sometimes it's not that simple. And other times it is. It, I love that relationship. I'd love to be a fly on the wall at your house sometimes. That'd be fun. <laughs> We, so we looked at some scriptures last week that described the transcendence of God and, and we looked at these words in English which uh, English or any other language quite frankly are totally inadequate to try to describe because we're trying to comprehend and the way to comprehend is through description of, of what God is like and this word transcendence that means that he's above and beyond all things and he has no limits but we're, we're limited in our ability to, to, to try to understand these things um, and so, you know, we're, it, we're, we're just wholly inadequate, quite frankly, in, in trying to use words to describe who God is. We're, we're just inadequate. The words don't work. But we did look, nonetheless, at some scriptures last week. We looked, oh, you don't have to turn there, but we looked at First Chronicles, and uh, I want you to get this picture in your mind before we move on to this, this next attribute of God. We looked in First Chronicles 25.11, and the words, the key words in terms of God's attributes were greatness, glory. Think of these as who God is and what God is like. Okay, greatness, glory, majesty, splendor, exalted, and overall. Overall is a is a term, two-word term, that is trying to describe that transcendent word. Overall, above all, beyond all, overall. What does overall mean? Overall. <laughs> That's right. In the original language, it means God is over everything. Because everything under God, it's not a distance thing, was created. And He was not. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, not created. Everything else is. I don't know about you, that makes me feel more comfortable. Okay, good. Thank you, God. You are not created. I don't understand no beginning, but that's okay. I apprehend it without comprehending it completely, and I'm okay because you're God. Okay, so thank you. Thank you. I could move on. 
See, that's all I need to know about transcendence. How about you? Need to know more? Need to know more? Great. Need to know more? You're good. Scotty? Pretty good with that, huh? I mean, that's, that's like all we need. He gave us just what we need. I can now focus on things that... On other things. There's a lot of things to focus on with God. Because He wants all of us. Bill, I was thinking... A word came to my mind as I was meditating this week on the attributes of God. It was ineffable. Ineffable? What I don't have my dictionary. What it means is it goes beyond the ability to describe in words. It's indescribable. Oh. Like that like that song that we sing is called Indescribable. Put that on the list. It's a good song. Indescribable. Yeah. yeah no are, words to describe. So if a person has great joy, you might say he has an ineffable joy. Joy beyond the ability to describe. Yeah. There it is. That's a ten dollar word. <laughs> that may be twenty. That may be a twenty dollar word. No, that's perfect. And so we have these other words because we were looking at Job last week. And again, you don't have to turn there, but Job eleven said that that in, in these words um, that God is higher and deeper. <coughs> distance? No, not distance. We think in terms of distance, don't we? It's not distance. God is higher, above all, beyond all. He is transcendent. He is over everything because he's not created. He is over everything. He is sovereign over everything. And I, and everything still means everything. Everything God is sovereign over. And we're going to look at how that relates to these problems that we create for ourselves in terms of the stresses that we put on ourselves. There's going to be a take-home message today if we get there. And so, <laughs> but, but Job also says that God is mysterious. Everybody, give me a hallelujah if you think there is mystery to God. Hallelujah. I mean, God, there is mystery. Amen? Absolutely. So let's just take that to the bank. There is mystery. And in this life, we are not going to grasp it. I'm okay with that. It's fine. I got plenty of other things to try to grasp. The mystery of God keeps me active and alive and, and, and pursuing him. Yeah, I mean, can you, does it show? Um, there's, a, there's an enthusiasm to it. You know, it's more meaningful than all this other stuff. Because all the other stuff is temporary. We get caught up in stuff that doesn't matter. But we think it does. But if we were really looking at that, attitude to God, who is God compared to me? Most of the problems that I have are like no-brainers. They just... I mean, they're just not very worthwhile compared to our pursuit of, of who he is. And then turn to First Timothy 6.16. I'm going to read it, but I'm going to start just a little early. Okay, because you don't like to start in the middle of a sentence, do you? Well, I just think right after the time. Okay. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable life, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Wow, that's awesome. So what's the context of that real real quickly? What's that? What's First Timothy 6, 15b and 16 saying, Taurus? Yes, yeah, 616. 
And so, so the context there is, what's the main, what's the main theme there? The what? The heathen mortal. And what else? What well, he can't see him. Dwayne said, he can't, he can't be seen. Okay, so that begs the next important question about God's transcendence. Who has seen God? Wait a minute. Somebody said nobody, and somebody said those that have seen Jesus. Which one is right? Man. You guys are awesome. Both are right. Nobody has seen God the Father. Did Moses see God the Father in the bush? It was burning. And he walked up to the bush, and he, because he was curious, he didn't know it was God. He was curious. The bush was burning, but it wasn't going away. Every time I burn something, it goes away. This bush was not going away. He walked up, and God spoke to him out of this burning bush and said, Dude, back off. You're on holy ground. And I'm sure Moses was just like on his face. Did he see God? No. No. How many people have seen God, Olivia? Well, I don't know exactly, but it, generally, how many people have seen God? Lots! Lots of people have seen God. God the Son. Not God the Father. According to Scripture. Mm-hmm. Now, but even Moses was in the presence of God. Even Sal seen God. Huh? Even Sal seen God. And how did that happen? <laughs> that's a different story but the point is, is the scriptures tell us that, that God is transcendent God the Father has not been seen but we know that, that, that uh, Christ Jesus is God the Son and many people have seen him and we have a personal relationship with the God of all creation the God of all creation that wasn't created we have a personal relationship because we know him and yet we have never seen God the Father anybody here seen God the Son? Other than Ernie that was in Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, even, even the people of the garden lived, they saw Jesus in his human form. That's right. But they did not see him in his glorified Oh, did they not? Um, who has been studying God's immutability, which we're going to be taking a look at, 
um, in, in a couple of weeks, and we're going to see about all the omnis of God. is omnipresent. He is all present. And yet, so he, here is God. He's transcendent. He is above everything. And yet, perfectly approachable and perfectly knowable. Almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? How could God be transcendent? How could God, the Father who's never been seen, how can that God that is that is self-existent, above and beyond all things, virtually impossible for us to comprehend, be loving and approachable? And I would add, here. Here. He's here. I'm the same answer I gave he can do anything. He can do anything. He's God. He's God. See, above and beyond all the limits of all of our possible experiences or all of our possible knowledge, see, that's God. And yet, close and knowable. Close and knowable. He created us. Because God is love. The last attribute we're going to look at in our Tenet Summer Nights is the attribute of God's love. We save it for the end because it's the most powerful. It's the one that we can most grasp because, you know, you know, I love you, man. Okay? I have a brotherly love for you. I love my wife. I love Jesus. You know? And it's and that love comes from God. If you have love, you, you, know, you know God. If you, if, you, if you think you have love without God, you don't know you don't know love. That's what the Bible teaches. So Tozer, like some of us perhaps, is thinking about who God is in his life. And he said, and we looked at this last week, I live for that day when God will crash in upon me, past my human understanding, and every defense I might have put up. But see, he was looking towards the future. He was waiting for that day. He was living for that day when God would crash in upon him and give him some understanding. I'm telling you, we're here getting some understanding. Because then Tozer admitted a little bit later, he said that, you know what, even though I'm thinking about the future, we can have that now. We can actually have God crash in on us now if we open ourselves to Him, if we yield to Him, if we get out of our own stupid way. Oftentimes we're the obstacle. So what kind of defenses are we putting up not to allow God to kind of crash down in on us so that we can even have a more intimate relationship with him so that we can better understand who he is. Pride. Selfishness. Wow. Are you willing to give those some of those things up? I think it was Mark last night that, that said that he had a, I think it was a men's group, but I think I can call him out on this because I, I think it's okay. Um, he, he was talking about you know his own selfishness and it's so clear and it's sometimes it's very glaring and he doesn't even like it and, and yet he, sometimes he doesn't even know how selfish he's being until he's into something and then he realizes you knucklehead you know what I mean and, I mean come on who doesn't have that experience That's the, that is a human experience amen and so we have those things and yet you see God he transcends every defense that you put up I'm just that way no you're not <laughs> Sorry, that's a cop out. You're not just that way. God made you in His image. So, are you prideful? Some of us, yeah. Are we selfish? Some of us, 
Oh, some of us take it to an art form. Um, <laughs> do we have these kinds of issues? Are we stuck in our past, some of us? Yeah. You know, are we petrified of the future? What might happen, some of us? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yet, and, and how about guilt? How about sin? And yet, see, God transcends all of that stuff. You know that? God, the God that we worship and we praise, the God that is our Savior, see, He transcends all of that stuff. So why do we hold on to that? He transcends. This is good news. That you see, He is above and beyond all of that. Which I think is another reason we're here. Amen? Knowing Him, studying the attributes of God, meditating on these things, contemplating even the things that we don't have answers to, I believe breaks those defenses down. Everybody sitting in this room has something. Or if you think you don't, you're a liar. We all have something we're hanging on to. There's some defense. There's some excuse. There's some something. We're hanging on to something. Okay? And and God says that you know what? If you'll just seek me, you'll find me, and I will help you break these things down. Which is why we're trying to find out really who God is. So in his transcendence, he is completely over above and beyond all that stuff. We can give it all to him. He wants it all, he's over it all, he's conquered it all. It's we're the problem. Huh? Yeah, we're the problem. Why don't we just recognize that and spend a little bit more time, less on our problems and more on seeking Him? See what happens. That leads us to this next attribute of God, His eternalness. Does one attribute of God build on another? Yes? Yes? They're all interrelated. Excuse me? They're all interrelated. They're all interrelated. So are they building blocks? Potentially. Okay. Trick question, no right or wrong answer. So they're all interrelated, you know. I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking about a spider web, you know. So God's attribute over here of His self-existence, when you touch that part of the spider web over there, it reverberates all the way through the entire spider web, and it, it moves it clear down over here. It's all to this. Okay. He doesn't need one to build on another one. He's God. But are they all interrelated? Oh, you bet. Absolutely, because you've got. So, what is eternalness? <coughs> Did you read the book? <laughs> it's in the book. <coughs> God doesn't have time, according to the theologian in the front row. God doesn't have time. Okay. What is eternalness? Okay, well, can eternalness and, and time coexist? It can. But God doesn't have time. But you have time. Okay. What's the definition of eternalness? What is eternalness? My life went and said in the book, you see the white paper from infinity, infinity on all four sides, right in the middle, you take the ruler, you write one inch mark. It's interesting because the Bible says that time didn't always 
created time. Because everything was created by God except for God. He wasn't created. He's self-existent. No beginning. Turn to Genesis 1.1. You don't even have to turn there. Somebody has Genesis 1.1 memorized. In the beginning, okay, we can just end there. Yes, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, what is necessarily incumbent in that verse relative to time? The creation. Okay, God had to create because before God created, He just was. <laughs> you think so? I don't think so, because he was self-existent. No, I don't think so. We're going to see that biblically. I'm glad that you brought that up. See, that's a common misconception in the church. God created us because he was lonely. No, God doesn't have any need for us. He, he, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, self-existent, everything else created. He doesn't need anything. He's not dependent on anything. Or anyone. It makes us feel good, though, doesn't it? <laughs> God created me because he was lonely and he loves me. Well, that's half true. God loves you. But he didn't create you because he was lonely and he needed, he needed companionship. He didn't need that. So, uh, how about Titus 1-2? Anybody slam ahead to that? Titus 1-2. Who does not lie, promise before the beginning of time. The what? Before the beginning of time. The, the, the promise. He had a promise, and what else was there? Promise. <laughs> no, when did he promise it? That's what I'm interested in. Before. Before. Oh. The beginning of time. Before? Before. Yes. Before, before what? The beginning. Beginning is time. Yeah, there's two verses in two different places. One in the Old, one in the New Testament. We have, we have time. Time has a beginning. There's a relationship of God and time. Does God live in time? Uh, interesting. 2 Timothy 1.9. You can almost smell a 1957 Webster dictionary definition. I know you can. But we're going to read 2 Timothy 1.9 first, which says, We also know that law is not made in the righteousness. 2 Timothy 1.9. Oh, sorry, I got the wrong There's those darn ones and twosies in there, huh? Yeah. Who has saved us and called us a holy law? is. 
Uh, that doesn't make good English sense. But God is. Okay? See, God never was. God is. And he even called himself, I am. No beginning. Okay, there was, there was, there was no time. Okay, get that through your brain. There was no time. It didn't exist until he created. And we have three scriptures here. Genesis, Titus, and Timothy says that before the beginning of time, before the beginning of time, in the beginning of time, God created. Because before he created the heavens and the earth, there was no time. He's taking a time out. <laughs> time out. Okay, we've got it with a time out. I like that. Okay? So we see that time had a beginning. And so now we have to take a look at eternal, and we have to take a look at it from the point of view, a uh, biblical point of view, because eternal can be a noun or a verb. I mean, a, a noun or an adjective, right? Okay, so here's the night. You're going to love this. You're all going to want to go try to find a 1957 Webster's Dictionary and buy one and put it on your shelf. I'm telling you, you're going to love this. You ready? You want to know what eternal in the 1957 Webster's has defined eternal, the noun? A one-word definition. God. Yes. 1957. Now you know why I love the 1957. This This is when it was real. Okay? And so... The noun eternal is defined as God. That's it in the 57 Webster. Now it's an adjective as well. What do you suppose the definition of eternal is as an adjective? Simple. Having infinite duration. That would be a long time. <laughs> Everlasting. Oh, there's a theme that comes up in, in the Bible a lot. You ready for this one? 1957 Webster's. Characterized by abiding fellowship with God. So as an adjective, eternal is characterized by abiding. Abiding. What does that mean? Living with. Huh? Okay. Good enough. Being in fellowship with God. Eternal. I like it. I really like that. Okay. So there's the 57 Webster's. Now we have to go to Scripture, and we need to support that. Because where did Webster's get their definition of eternal? From the Bible. Okay. Okay. That no longer exists, by the way. They flipped that around, didn't they? But up to the 50s and the early 60s, you know, Webster's had it together. Yeah. And then they changed. But nonetheless, let's go to Isaiah 57:15, a really powerful scripture that Tozer uses as one of his two scriptures at the beginning of this chapter talking about eternality, the eternality of God. For this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of Okay, we're looking at this scripture that, that, that Tozer had at the beginning of his chapter. I kind of like it. The first thing I'd like you to, to look at is in terms of thinking about the attributes of God in, in Isaiah 57, 15, the first part of that verse, what are, the, what are a couple of key words that apply to God's attributes? High, High lofty, or exalted, yeah. Okay. It's interesting, he also says the one who, who lives forever. Boy, there's a lot of doctrine in this, isn't there? Okay. God, the eternal one, always, always existed, self-existent. 
So he's going to live forever. That's eternality. Okay. And so, uh, and, and then this, and then this says one more thing. Uh, the, the second part of this says, but also, you see that? Okay. Oh, he's also holy. It says that in the NIV, it says, "I live in a high and a holy place." Who has a New King James? Um, you do, don't you? Yes. Will you read uh, the first part of fifty-seven fifteen? So it's the same wording. So he dwells in this high and this holy place. And then he says, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Who's that? <laughs> okay. God is eternal. God is self-existent. God is transcendent. God lives in a high and a holy place. Where is that? Heaven? I have a heaven. He lives everywhere. How do you explain this high and holy place? <coughs> he says he lives there. Okay, so wherever God is, so is this the high and holy place? God the Holy Spirit is present in this place. Is this the high and holy place where God lives? Well, when we studied heaven, didn't we say that? Didn't we say that, that God lives in, in the in the heavenly realms? Okay. So be careful about context because it's really important. You got to be throwing these scriptures out of context all over the place. You get in all kinds of trouble because this particular scripture in Isaiah says that for He lives forever. His name is holy. I live in a high and a holy place. So is He talking about heaven here, or is Isaiah talking about God's transcendence? Above and beyond everything. And we're going to see later an attribute of God is His omnipresence, meaning His... What does that mean? He's all present. God is here. And He says that He lives in this transcendency and this eternalness and this self-existence. It's God. God is alive. God lives. He is these things. And He lives in life. Ooh. And he lives in those who has a contrite heart and is lowly in spirit. <coughs> to revive the heart of the contrite. You realize your heart can be revived by God? So why, why are we bummed out then? Why do we put that all on ourselves? Because we're human. How do we overcome that? Story for another day. We're going to look at that and just if you if you'll wait four minutes, maybe three and a half, after we look at Psalm ninety-one and two, we're going to look at this God's eternalness without time question because it's important because we live in time and space and He doesn't and so. Um, the theologian in the front row, Susan, was talking about God doesn't live in time, and she's absolutely correct. He doesn't live in space either, and yet he's here. Very hard for us to grab, you know, grab onto that. So, you get it? I don't get it. Hard. Very challenging. And yet, turn to Psalm 90, 1 and 2. 
because we have to take a look at this uh, at, uh, in terms of God's eternalness to try to understand eternal. We have to understand who He is compared to us. So Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Well, this is the prayer of Moses. This Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What are the two distinctions that the psalmist is, is talking about in, in, in these two verses? There's two, there's two different distinctions here. Okay. That wasn't where I'm going, but that's okay. Okay, everlasting to everlasting. Okay, which is forever, which is which is another word for forever, eternal. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Okay. There's that eternal. There's that eternality. What's the other distinction? That's God. Okay. He's the creator, and then and and, and, the, and the psalmist in, in, in verse one, ninety verse one, is generations. That's us. That's people. That's that's his people. That's his children. So what we see here is in the in, in the psalms we see that that there are these two distinct, um, uh, uh, two separate, totally distinct things going on here. We see that all generations is a time thing. Right? Because people didn't always exist. We are created beings, aren't we? And so we see throughout all the generations, God is talking about these generations that were created. These are people that were created. There was a point in time where the creation started. Generations. Folks. That's us. And then he says, from everlasting to everlasting, the psalmist says, you are God. Everlasting to everlasting. Remind you a little bit of the scripture that says, as far as the east is from the west, meaning that there's two points where we can't conceive of that. It's so far away from one another, we can't get there from here. Okay, everlasting to everlasting is the same thing. It's outside of time. Everlasting to everlasting. God, eternal, outside of time. This becomes pretty important in just a minute. You're going to see how this ties together and it wraps up this eternality thing. So, sir. Can we say that there, one point there was no time. And then creation is in time. And then when everybody's risen, there will be no time again. Oh, that's a good question. You should have been here for the heaven study. Because if we take a look at what the Bible teaches in terms of this time, God is outside of time. God created time. In eternity, how long are you going to live, by the way? Okay. Uh, are you going to live for an eternity? Yes. Ever ever. Are you sure? Yes. What is eternity? According to the psalmist, it's from everlasting to everlasting. God is eternal. Are you eternal? No, maybe. <laughs> in our glorified bodies. Hope. In our glorified bodies. Oh, this is a really interesting idea, and it's a thought. Hold it, though, because we're going to get there in just a second. Hold that thought for just a second. Don't, don't let it go. Don't let it go. Hold that thought for just a second, because Steve says he's going to live for an eternity. And I'm reading the psalmist that says that from everlasting to everlasting is the definition of eternal. And we're 
seeing that God is self-existent, transcendent, eternal, <coughs> and you're created. Because God is a line and we are a ray. Hmm. Okay, one more time. God is a line and we are a ray. Hmm. A line or a ray. Hold on to that thought too. Because we're going to deal with this biblically. So, so we know the time was created by God, right? Alright. And we know the time didn't always exist according to the scriptures, right? Okay. And so God in his eternalness then is outside of time. Right, Susan? Right. God is outside of time because he always existed. And we're so stuck in time, aren't we? I mean, we got, we, you know, we were three minutes late tonight getting started in time. Okay? And, um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff in time that had to happen in order to even, even be here today. Our whole, our whole life, our whole existence, our whole, everything about us is, is related to time. God created time, He created us. So think about this as it relates to God's, think about this now, Steve. Think about these things I'm about to say as it relates to God's eternalness. Okay. Alright, so now. God's eternalness. Okay? Without time, everything would be experienced all at once. God's eternalness. Without Time, everything would be experienced all at once. I'm glad you're not God. Okay, because what? Everything is always now. We have so many theologians in the room. I love it. Think about this. Without time, now think about God's eternity. Without time, we wouldn't be using words like before, after, earlier or later, while, during, as soon as. I, there's a plethora of words that we wouldn't that wouldn't even exist without time. Without time, God's eternalness. Without time, there is only one tense. Present tense. I want you to think about God now. Your relationship with the holy, living God in the present. There is no past with God. There is no future with God. God is not subject to... Wrap your brain around this. This will be hard. He is not subject to time. He loves you in the moment. He loves you in the present. We live in the time. We have a past. Why do we hold on to it? Especially the bad part of it. Well, because it's because we're simple. But eternity is now. Eternity is now. How long are you going to live, Steve? Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Are you eternal? 
that believes that Steve is eternal. It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. We're trying to answer this question. We're trying to understand an attribute of God, his eternality, and we're trying to do it biblically. And we're relating to God because, why? He created us. We're here because of him. Are you kidding me? And so, is Steve, I like to pick on Steve, is Steve eternal? I, I have a no. Kathy, no. I had some yeses. No. No, forget Think about it in terms of answer the question biblically. We're thinking about him as a person. Okay? Soul and body together. Forget it. Are you going to heaven? Steve? Amen. Okay, Steve's going to heaven. Is Steve eternal? That's the right that's the right answer. Steve and everybody in this room, and I think that's Kathy, were you going there? Amen. And that's the answer. And that's what we have to we have to understand that because see we get we get hey I'm gonna live for I I'm I'm gonna live for an eternity. Yes, eternity future. Because you're still gonna have time. In eternity you're gonna have time. God does not. It is eternity future that isn't going to end for you, Steve. You're going to live in eternity future, but you are not eternity. You had a beginning. The distinction is critical in understanding who God is. He has no beginning. He is eternal. The only one that is eternal is God. No beginning. Not created. Self-existent. Transcendent. And eternal. Isaiah 57, 15 says, in the New King James, it says that God inhabits eternity. I love that. He lives there. He is there. He is eternal. He is eternity. We're going to see that in just a minute. So, what does that mean then? He's not bound by time. We've been saying it all night. He has no origin. He has no beginning. He's timeless. He transcends all of that. See, we live in it. See, now we're starting to get a handle on the fact that, wait a minute, I can grasp some of this. <laughs> you know, I really can. So the part that I'm grasping now all of a sudden is, hey, cool, I'm, I'm not eternal. I'm just going to live for an eternity, a future eternity. Because I put my faith in Christ. I'm going to live that future eternity with Him. Perfect. Forevermore. I love it. So, you got that? Okay, so do you see God through that lens? The lens of being eternal? Or do you project time onto God? We probably have tended to do that. Marvin says we probably tend to project time onto God. Linda? Be honest. You project time onto God? Yeah. Alright, we gotta do this, you know. We gotta do this. Everybody that has projected time, everybody that has looked at God through the lens of understanding that we live in time, even though we 
think maybe we kind of understood at one point that he does. How many people have projected time onto God? Well, not now that you explain it. But that's in your eternity future. But we do it all the time. How does that affect how you pray? Up to 6.30 tonight. <laughs> how does that affect how you pray? You mean the length of time that we pray? Or if we feel like we, we have time Yes, pray. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Huh? The, the, the urgency. If it's urgent for you, is it urgent for God? No. Does God understand the urgency in your prayer? He He's not bound by time. It's an interesting biblical truth relative to how we might how we might approach God in prayer. Oh, I get it, God. You're not bound by time. Thank you. So if I'm suffering through something that isn't even my fault, most of the stuff I suffer through, by the way, is because I'm an idiot. <laughs> really? It's, it's my own fault. The stuff that I suffer through. 80% of is caused by me. 20% is circumstances. It's what I choose to do about that and how I look at it that matters. I'm just saying, how do you look at it? Does it affect your choices, your decisions, your view of life, your view of others? Hmm? No that, that God is what? No comment. No comment. <laughs> All right, quickly, there's, there's these three scriptures that we're going to look at real quick. You don't even have to turn there. We already know John 3.16. Yeah. For God so loved the world, right? And, and what? What is he going to do? We're not going to perish if we put our faith in him, but we are going to have eternal life. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal, eternal life in, in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Timothy 1.16, we looked at 6.16, but 1 Timothy 1.16 says, listen to this, but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense, or I put in parentheses because in another version it says perfect, he might display his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. The question is, what is the recurring theme in these verses? Eternal life, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. Steve, you have eternal life. You're just not eternal. But you have eternal life. The future eternal is yours. It's a promise. It's a gift of God. And here it is. And we, we're most familiar with John 3.16 because we see it at the football games all the time. It tells us that yeah, we know John 3.16. It's eternal life. But what does God's eternalness, his outside of kindness, mean to you? Personally. Okay, good. God's in control. Outside of time. Because Brenda, you know when your you know when your car broke down a couple weeks ago? It was important to get that starter fixed, wasn't it? And we and we live Oh, she can't hear. Brenda's car broke and her starter went out and we and, and we were trying to help her get it over to, to get it fixed. And it all related to time because she needed it like she needed it Tuesday and this thing needed to be fixed on Monday. It was time. We live in time. But your eternal life, according to Pastor Robert back here, 
is now. Isn't that what you said earlier? See, your eternal life, Steve, you're going to live for an eternity. In time. When did that start? After I died. When did... Okay, I'm not going to ask you any more questions. So... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, you will. Okay. (laughs) Vinny, I'll ask you. When did your eternity start? Okay, it's a trick question. (coughs) That's an answer. Excuse me? When you were born. When you were born. Oh, I love these kind of questions. Because you see, we can go really deep theologically on this kind of a question. So when did our eternal life start? The Bible says what, Robert? We were chosen to Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world? Holy cow! Holy cow! So when did our eternal life start? Wow! Then we got the whole long time ago. Long, long time ago. Didn't have anything. Okay, you. And we're not even going to go there. Does this? Does this have anything? Because Robert, when did that happen? This is important. When did that happen? Before the foundation of the world. Your eternal life started. It began. Did you have anything to do with that? Zip! (laughs) Not a thing! Isn't that comforting? There's not a thing that you did about it. God knew. God created you. He's eternal. How come he didn't what? Who said he didn't? Oh. Okay, see, now we're getting into another kind of deep theological question. How come God didn't choose anybody? I mean, didn't choose everybody. Okay? Did he predestined everybody. That's a whole other question. And maybe we'll, maybe maybe after the summer we'll, we'll take a couple of weeks on that. Because I'm sure that a three-year study we can get done in two weeks. So the, so the point is, is that is that we kind of have to stay here for just a second because, you see, um, see, God's creation, that's, that's us. See, God's creation, that's us. Um, see, we're being invited in to His eternalness. We're not eternal. God has invited us in. Jeremiah said, seek and you're going to find. It's a promise. He doesn't say seek and God's going to play hide and seek. He said seek and you're going to find. He, God says that, and then when you find and you make that choice, guess what? Guess what happens at that point? God has invited you in. It's not mind-boggling that God has invited you into eternity. With Him now. Because it's one thing to know that I'm going to live for an eternity. It's another thing that God has invited me. Personalize it, you know, like Ricky likes to do. Do one of those things. And that God has invited you in to His world for an eternity. 
good kind of a way. Yeah. Susan. I thought there was a paragraph in the chapter that kind of did a nice summary of it. Okay. It says, you need God for God is your eternity. You need God for God is your tomorrow. You need Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ is your tomorrow. He's your guarantee of that which will be. He's your resurrection in your life. And when the sun has burned itself out and the stars have been pulled up like a garment, God will still be. For God dwells in the everlasting now that nothing can get to. And he takes his children who believe in his son into his bosom into the heart of the everlasting now. <laughs> yeah, Tower, uh, tower. Uh, Tozer uh, has a, a, a way with words. Um, and, uh, you know, once you get past you know some, some of his nuances because uh, every every author has them. Um, uh, I, I like he makes me think, and and that's what I care about mostly. He just makes me think, and that's good. Um, uh, uh, because when I think, so I normally falls asleep. <laughs> but uh, but see these these truths help us, I think, relate to to life because we, when we understand who God is, uh, it, it just there's perspective. Okay, you know. So, Kevin, here's God, and He's eternal. Okay, he's God, we're not. These things start to make some sense. Time now all of a sudden makes sense. You know your life is like a mist, according to the Bible, it's about that long. We know that. We get that part, don't we? You know? I mean, man, some people are having birthdays pretty soon. And <laughs> I'm just looking, I'm not pointing yeah. out. And so what happens with the birthday is we get a little bit older and we realize how close we are to leaving here. So this life is pretty short. So why do we get freaked out about the stuff that happens in this life? Hogwash. I say, junk it, man. It's crazy what we do, isn't it? It's crazy. I'm telling you, it's crazy what we do. I, I, love, what, I love what Tozer said here. He, he wrote this. It says, by the way, we can't be cavalier about this. We just can't be cavalier about seeking God on a deeper level. And I, and I would submit to you that we're not because look how many of us are here trying to seek God on a little bit deeper level. And the reason that we can't be cavalier about, about seeking Him on, on a deeper level is because of one thing that I was, I was just thinking about that Tozer said. He said this, and I quote, I need somebody to guide me. I can't go it alone. I'm too small and weak and stupid and vulnerable. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> Man, am I small, weak, stupid, and vulnerable. I mean, I'm all those things. I love that. And the point is, he also talks in that chapter about God not being dependent on anything, one, anything. He's not And we are completely the opposite, aren't we? Because we're weak, stupid, vulnerable. We're all those things. And we are completely and totally dependent on Him. And if you think you're not, try try going for the next week by blowing God off completely and see what happens. I would submit to you that most of the problems that exist in this room, in your own personal lives, is because you've blown God off anyway. And you haven't been obedient to this call in your life. That's how it works for me. I don't know about you. But it's crazy. God's not dependent on anything, and we're totally dependent on Him. You see, <laughs> it's nuts. Before everything was, God is. Hmm? Before everything was, God is. 
so it is with God. Before everything was, He is. And so, if He weren't eternal, He wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be God. He would, yeah, He would be Steve. <laughs> and, and, and if He was just, and if God were Steve, I'm going to order pizza and beer, okay? Because there's no point. I mean, why, what are we here for? So God is God alone. He is. He is the great I am. And what's cool is, you see, eternalness is not what God is. Eternalness is who God is. Don't put time on God. Eternalness is not what He is. It is who he is in complete control. These, these attributes of God are so interwoven as we understand who He is and how we can relate to Him. Amen? All of the things that we do in our life to relate to Him should manifest in some action. So what do we do with it? I say, we get Robert to the piano and sing. <laughs> our God is an awesome God. <laughs> Could I share just one observation I made in reading this chapter? Please. I thought, he tends to repeat himself a lot. Then I remember the story that Frank Christensen told one time about a southern pastor who people were asking, your people seem to really understand what's going on. He says, I have three secrets. I tell them what I'm going to say, and I say it. And I tell him what I said. <laughs> That's a good point. And, and you know, we have an interesting pastor here too. Because I will, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to confess something. Uh, I, I confess to the to the pastor that we have here one time um, uh, a while back, and I said, "Dude, no, I did. I really said that. I said, Dude. I said you got to get to the point. Sound familiar? <laughs> I, I, I learned it from Olivia. I said, man, I mean, you know, I love your style and everything. I really love your style. It's very early on. And I said, I love your style, but you're repeating yourself uh, all the time. And he said, do you remember? <laughs> oh, shut up, and so there it is. It's, the, it's, it's so we can remember last week, so that because it's a build on the next week. And so, uh, so I apologize. I, I, I learned that uh, from the master, and, and so that's why I think it's important to, to review just a little bit because it is a build, isn't it? It is a build.